Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Restaurant Growth Podcast by Seven Shifts. I'm your host, DJ, and today on the show, we're pleased to welcome Rachel Nemeth, co-founder and CEO of Opus Training. Rachel and I got a chance to chat about Opus's text message-based learning platform for frontline workers, onboarding and training a deskless workforce, and just how important a great training program is for keeping employees around for a long time. It was an awesome chat that I enjoyed a whole lot, and I think you guys will as well. Hey, Rachel, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, of course. Excited. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of stuff to cover today, but, you know, before we go into it, just want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself, a little bit of background on your career as well as what you do at Opus. Sure. Um, My name is Rachel Nemeth. I am the CEO and co-founder of Opus Training. Uh, so all this whole story starts with this really terrible statistic that 80% of the global workforce doesn't sit at a desk all day. And yet 99% of venture capital dollars are going to the 20% who do. And so what we do at Opus is we train desk lists or frontline workers over text message. It may seem like a simple solution, (laughs) uh, and it is, but it is a hard problem to solve. Um, and, and my background is, Uh, uniquely positioned to help solve this alongside my team because my whole background's in restaurants. So I spent uh, 13 years working in restaurants and also trying to get out of them. And most recently for Danny Meyer at Union Square Hospitality. So here we are today training restaurant workers and beyond over text message. That's awesome. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when you think about the deskless workforce, majority of those people probably don't have computers at home. They don't really have the opportunity to to go sit down and, and sit through a, a training online. Um, right. So I guess meeting them where they are, you know, via text, which I think everyone has the capability of doing, um, you know, is a really cool way to engage them um, yeah. and get them trained up on things. Um, so, you know, in terms of training, is this like initial onboarding or we're going into, you know, different kinds of like certifications and, you know, what kind of things are you offering? What kind of uh, training are you offering frontline workers through this platform? Yeah, so there's multiple use cases that we can work with employers on at, at Opus. I'll tell you about some of the, the most recent ones that are we're really starting to see, specifically because we're seeing this hiring boom. And yep. um, we're also seeing a lot of challenges that employers have around hiring people and keeping them. So um, new hire training is number one right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone's thinking about how can I ramp up my team as quickly as possible, uh, get all of those values out there, get any sort of initial SOPs, what have you, um, locked in place yeah. and make sure people feel welcome. The other use case is um, what we call just a kind of a compliance category. Uh, We're the only provider in the United States of text message training for sexual harassment prevention. Uh, We partner with Gunderson Detmer. It's a really interesting model considering we've all sat through the 90 minute videos, which are fine, but don't actually lead to the outcomes that you're looking for. So um, that's something that a lot of employers are looking for, especially those that are out of compliance at this point. Um, And the third use case is one that I'm really excited about, which is uh, something that we call campaigns. If you think about it, it's basically a form of synchronous training. Um, So, you know, text message training is an asynchronous model. And you were saying things like it meets people where they are. The the beauty of that is that at the start of shift or at the end of shift, you can do a three minute lesson and use what you learned. But campaigns allow a manager to deploy a specific lesson or course at the same time within their unit or all units 
so that everyone's learning together. And you have that really amazing moment where you can talk about what you've learned. Yeah. The perfect example of this in restaurants is menu changes. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everybody needs to know the same thing at the same time. What a wonderful way to deploy a quick text message course yeah. on you know, the new burger and be able to ensure that everyone's getting that information equitably. So those are the th- those are there's a lot more use cases, but those are the three that are, are really important right now. Yeah, and those are exciting. Um, just to kind of turn it back to that initial onboarding training, um, you know, it's really hard to find people right now, of course. And once you have those people hired, it, it's another thing to keep them around for a long time. Um, you know, restaurant turnover is notoriously high. It was like 70 some percent. I think last year it higher. went over 100 percent, which yeah. I'm like, how is that even possible? Um, more people are leaving than are being hired, it seems. Um, yeah. But how can that initial touch point, that first onboarding um, and having like a, a modern accessible training platform, how can that help restaurants keep people um, from leaving three months later, you know, two months later? So there's a lot of research out there that shows that churn is most likely to happen within the first 90 days of employment. And so it's really important that we're not only thinking about um, the the <laughs> the why that's happening, but also what can, we can do to prevent it. Um, look, like the industry is notorious for a lot of, of things that are hard. Yes. <laughs> They're imp- it's an imperfect industry, right? You're, yes. you're underpaid, you're overworked. So there's that. But when it comes to training, there's a lot to be said for people expecting and wanting to be well positioned to be successful in their job. And it doesn't matter if you are training to be a sous chef or if you're training to be a dishwasher, it is important to feel and to be an expert in your job within your company. So imagine what it would feel like if you're walking in and it's your first day as a server at an 11 unit restaurant group and everybody is doing a great job, but it just so happens that the GM isn't there that day. So you have somebody else who really doesn't know that they're supposed to be training you. You have no assistance to to how to do your job. And then it kind of spirals from there. I'm talking about this because not only are we seeing and we know that new hire training is so important, but we also know that supporting managers is so critical. Managers right now, and you all know this at seven shifts, managers have to do a lot more with a lot less right now. (laughs) And so... You know, you might ha- you might be overseeing two or three stores instead of one. So it's really important to offer a digital assistant yep. to that really great on-site training, which, by the way, is never going to go away. It's important to have a person that you're shadowing. Yep. You know, you can't teach somebody how to do a great saute just over video. That's one way that we can assist, but you have to have a sous chef next to you showing you the specific techniques that matter in your restaurant. My point is, is that we can really help accelerate those first 30 days of training. And not only that, we're going to help your team feel welcome and (laughs) we're going to help you track that efficiency. So you can look back after the 30, 60, 90 in America and say, what areas of our training do we need to improve? We got bad marks on this course. People don't feel like they understand. People requested that they wanted to have a chat with the, the CEO of the company. Like These are things that matter. And with Opus, yeah. you can actually get feedback from your team in order to understand what parts of that new hire training process need work. Yeah. 
And something that you mentioned too before, like, you know, the dishwasher comes in and, and you know, maybe, or someone comes in, there's no one there that day. I think having a platform so that manager can be off and maybe someone starts new, but they have, you know, they have their training uh, set up. At least that person can get a little bit of something when they come in on the first day. But um, even training, you know, and engaging, you know, I guess what some may consider like the lower low entry level positions in restaurants, you know, busters and dishwashers, you know, a lot of the time, restaurants may treat those people as more expendable, you know, wash the dishes and that's your training. Um, and then they are surprised when that person leaves and they're like, why can't anyone stay around? It's because, you know, I think in a lot of cases they're being treated as, you know, interchangeable. Yeah. And, and it might not even be that, right? Like, I think there's a, a certainly a case to be made for that. I think there's a lot of restaurant groups that see those positions as, just as if not more critical than some of the, the higher paying positions, because they know that it's important to keep those people on. It's, it's not a fun job, yeah. um, which is why we're starting to see restaurants invest more in that, that area of training. I mean, yeah. the statistic remains, it costs $1,500 for every employee who's turned over. And it doesn't matter if what that position is, that is yeah. people power that you are losing and training that is completely lost that you have to start over again. So um, even, and, and I think now, especially people are recognizing um, that it's really important to be finding consistent ways to invest in training for your team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and beyond that kind of first, you know, 90 days, um, you know, what can restaurants be doing better to engage their workforce beyond that? What kind of training should they be offering? Um, and I guess just advice from your experience, you know, or even just, you know, use cases, examples of how restaurants can maintain that engagement past that first three months. So you're not just forgetting about people once they go through that initial onboarding. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, of course, like that first that 90 day ramp up is going to be super important, but you're bringing up the next piece of the employee life cycle, which is how do you ensure that your team stays? And if they want to grow, how do you give them an opportunity to grow? Yeah. And so one thing that I, a really important story about some research that we did early on in Opus uh, can kind of help, help people understand why that next stage of training is so important and Opus can support with it, is that we did a lot of on in the early days of Opus, we did a lot of research on site in restaurants. And we sat down with the GMs and the chefs and we gave them all post-it notes. And we said, write down every single position in your restaurant right now. One post-it note, one job. And they wrote it down and we said, great, now organize it in terms of power, like who reports to who. And it was exactly what you would expect. <laughs> Pyramid, a lot of brigade systems, everything yep. that we see. And then we said, great. Now, rearrange those post-its in terms of how people grow in your restaurant. How do they get promoted? Yeah. And the whole map changed. It's really important to think about the fact that a hostess doesn't necessarily need to be, um, you know, isn't always promoted into a server position, yeah. that a lot of hostess and hosts are promoted into G straight into GM. That yeah. dishwashers don't always become prep cooks, they become head porters. Or they become, um, you know, uh, delivery drivers. There are so many different pathways to growth that you need systems internally. And I don't care if it's digital or not. You yeah. can choose use Opus or what have you. You have to recognize that the hierarchy of your restaurant is very different than the way that people grow, especially in deskless work. Yeah. 
So training can help support by creating um, skill paths is what we call them at Opus, where you can say, okay, um, you know, Joe wants to be a line cook. He's actually a busser right now. He doesn't have the skill set, but while he's a busser and successfully doing his job, let's make sure that every day he gets some training on how to be a line cook. And then in a couple of months, we'll check in, you know, we'll have a test or what have you, we'll have him connect with the Sioux so that when he gets into that line cook position, he's set up for success. You're basically giving people an opportunity to kind of uh, prove themselves without adding an extra training cost. Because with Opus specifically, you can actually drip training to people over the course of, you know, a week, two weeks, however long you'd like to get them those skills that they need. And of course, that means they're going to stay on much longer if they have growth opportunities. Yeah, of course. I think it's an underrated thing. You know, the server might not want to go to be a manager. They may want to become oh. a bartender. They, <laughs> they may want to become a cook or, you know, the cook may want to leave the kitchen and, and go behind the bar too. So it's, it's yeah, important to, yeah. to give people those opportunities um, to grow. And then, you know, they'll stay with you. And, and if you, you invest in them in the beginning um, and help them, you know, find success in their career, I think that's essential to keeping them around for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, speaking of desk lips work, you know, we mentioned in the beginning, 80% of the workforce doesn't work behind a desk. Um, but most of that, you know, money is going to the people that do. Um, yeah. You know, do you foresee kind of a, a sea change in that where maybe it evens out a little bit where, you know, more money is going towards or more investments are going towards the desk front line or the deskless workforce rather than going into, you know, more technology companies or, or work that occurs behind a desk? Um, no, (laughs) (laughs) but I have a lot of faith that it will. Um, I think one of the things that we really are focused on right now at Opus is we're one of few, if not the only company that's very focused on this work. We get calls a lot for folks who want to train lawyers and, uh, you know, executive salespeople. And the answer is unfortunately, no, um, We're not, it's not that we can't train your people, but we're seeing a much bigger market and a much bigger opportunity to support the majority workforce here. It's just unfortunate that um, there we're kind of living in a world where we've all been conditioned to think that it's only worth it to invest in the 20% of the workforce. And I'll add this. I think There's a lot of theories behind this, but I think one of them is really important to mention around equitable technology, that a large reason why um, people, even when people attempt to uh, provide technology for their deskless workforce, it fails. It's because the companies that they're choosing have initially gone to market by investing in desk workers first, and then they realize, oh, we can actually help deskless workers too. It's a totally different use case though. And so that's why we're really committed to say, like, that's why we started with deskless workers. Um, And so I, I guess my point is, is that there's a lot of space to play in this area. Um, there's a lot of space to for employers to invest in very small ways and see a very high ROI by simply providing technology that everyone can use. What a bummer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to have two different scheduling systems and two different training systems and two different inventory, all of these things 
you and I see at restaurants all the time, simply because we're not actually thinking about the majority of our employee of our workforce. We're thinking about the three people who are at the top making those decisions. So, um, so I think there's a big opportunity right now for, for change. We're starting to see it, uh, but I think it's a long journey. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It takes time, but I think, you know, companies like Opus are doing, you know, the ground, laying the groundwork for, you know, the, the focus on, on the desktop workforce and giving them better tools because they haven't, you know, something I chatted about with um, somebody else uh, in another episode was, you know, restaurants now finally have like access to the best technology they ever have. Um, and it's like 20 years behind where, you know, the desk workforce has had. Yeah. Um, and something I'm, I'm curious to get your, your opinion on too is, you know, if it seems to be more geared towards, you know, a younger mobile first workforce, um, you know, do you find that the older generations of workers are responding well to this as well? Opus is not geared toward a younger workforce. It's geared toward the deskless workforce. Yep. Um, I think there's a, and, and I push back on that only because I think there's a, a perception and we get this a lot. There's a perception that um, the, the only folks that can can text are the younger folks and the folks that yep. have the shortest attention span are the 18 to 26 year olds because they're on TikTok all the time. It's important to recognize that when it comes to to age and the use of cell phones for training, uh, it actually uh, there's no difference between somebody who's 22 using Opus and somebody who's 46 using Opus yep. or 50 or 65. Um, And that's because the global attention span is shrinking. It's not just within an age group. We are living in an age where we are over consuming information as Mm. a society. And so it is next to impossible to make decisions about what information you consume. So Opus can actually help you make better, faster decisions about what you train on. The alternative here (laughs) is that you log in with an email that you might not have because I don't care who you are, you one for every one email user in the US, there's two and a half cell phone users. So it's important to recognize that like just the entry point is a problem. But once you log in with that email, you're experiencing this like early aughts, you know, Y2K intranet that looks yep. like Squarespace, love them, but they're not for LMS, yes. <laughs> learning management <laughs> systems, uh, where an employee gets decision overload. Yeah. They're faced with 46 different courses they have to take. There's no curation. There's no instructional design. Yep. And so we can help eliminate that issue, whether you're 18 or 65 and say, yep. okay, this is the most important thing that you need to learn right now at this company. And then you can come back later and learn other things if you want to. Um, and the beauty of the age, the, the fact that we're, we're for everyone is that uh, no matter what, everyone knows how to text message. Um, you know, there are grandparents who are texting their grandkids. There are moms that are texting their, their, their little ones. There are aunts who are texting their nieces and nephews. Uh, this is how we interact in the world today. And so um, there's really, uh, that's why I think text messages, the great uniter really is for everyone. I have a lot of beef with email though, in case you can't tell. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. And, and I think too, like you said, you know, you're logging into this like old school course platform, there's 12 modules with five sub modules and a quiz. And, and you're like, you log in, you're like, I don't want really to do this. Right. Yeah. What a shame. I mean, there's so many great, we, we see this all the time that employers are switching from their old learning management system to Opus. <clears throat> they have great content. It's wonderful stuff and like great digital assets, but they've had this massive distribution problem for years where they have this learning management system that's been collecting dust Mm -hmm. and they're wondering why, like I spend so much money on people management. Why is it that I can't really easily deploy a new hire training to the 50 new people I hired? And instead I have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars going from store to store to store just to get the basics out to the team. Like you should be reserving those dollars for, uh, you know, big company town halls and and ways to actually get people to convene. It shouldn't be about these really kind of standard, here's our company uniform policy. Here's our sick leave policy. um, Here's our sexual harassment prevention that can, can honestly be automated. And then you can ask, you know, keep that manager informed to say, you know, so-and-so just finished their training, check in and, and see if they have any questions. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that um, just offering it in that way, it's, it's, it's so much more likely to actually be done. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something that you don't have to worry about. You can focus on, on growing people's business and kind of getting that stuff out of the way rather than like handing them a packet when they first start and read through this or like, here's the training. And, and it's like an uninspired manager, like going through this like old kind of thing. And you know, my experience, um, you know, working in coffee shops in New York, there's a lot of that, like, just like training is like you talk to this person for a couple hours and then it's like, that's training. Right. So really love. So, I mean, what advice do you have for, for the restaurateurs that are still kind of doing it that way? They still have the old binder with all the papers in it, um, you know, and they're having trouble getting through to people. Um, so you really have to have to, I think my advice for those people, if they're having trouble reaching their workforce with a binder, um, I would say that the first step is not to say, um, you know, and I I will also say this, that um, 70% of restaurants already have a learning management system, most of which they're not using. My advice to those businesses is to sit back and to say, do I really need, because this is what we continue to see is that Um, businesses will say, okay, no one's using our LMS. We need to hire someone to manage that LMS. We need to hire an instructional designer or or there's actually a job you can look on Indeed right now called LMS administrator. Yeah. Um, Please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) There there is better technology that does not require that you manage it. Um, I have, uh, we have really strong conviction and and we're doing this at Opus already that um, it's just a shame that there's, uh, you know, 20, 30 year old platforms that honestly haven't innovated in just that amount of time. And um, as a result of that, businesses are not only paying 25, 30 grand a year for that platform, they're also paying 90 grand a year for an instructional designer to manage that technology you shouldn't have to double up on that cost or triple up you should be able to get beautiful technology that where it's easy for anyone to build training 
and deploy it easily to their team so that you can do what you do best, which is manage and lead and connect with people. Like that's why you're in the world today leading your team. Um, So I think it's just a matter of like thinking about better technology instead of thinking about who are the three people I can get to manage this very old rickety system. Yeah. Technology kind of as an extension of what you're already doing, not like another thing that you need to manage and um, yeah, Ugh, it just makes it keeps me up at night. <laughs> but I don't blame employers because that's all they've been given. Yeah, they've been exactly. given like a very uh, diluted market of the same learning management system over and over again. And so that's kind of the only option that folks have been presented with for for the last two decades. What we've seen though is that, especially you know, as we were mentioning before, when restaurants especially have to do a lot more with less, that the investment in, in affordable technology can be the difference between, um, you know, needing to hire <laughs> those like additional uh, leadership positions or being able to say those leaders are actually better suited in our stores mm-hmm. with our people. Um, and we can, we can kind of get training out to people very simply without needing to invest too much. Amazing. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's a great place to end it. And that's about all the time we do have for it uh, today. Um, but before we go, where can people find, uh, where can people find you? So you can learn more about Opus at www.opus.so. Uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and all the places where people are on social (laughs) at get Opus. Um, and feel free to check us out. Uh, we have lots of really great webinars with wonderful instructional designers. We can help you take the burden of instructional designer off (laughs) your people plate. Um, and, and so you can learn from us too. So feel free to, to check on LinkedIn and follow us for, for tips and, and insights. Awesome. And people can text you as well, right? A hundred percent. There is a, there's a couple of great phone numbers on our website where you can do a demo or you can reach out to us. Uh, we are big fans of text message. So please yes. don't hesitate. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thank you again. Thank you so much. It was good to chat. You too. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Seven Shifts Restaurant Management and Growth Podcast. For more great content, you can check out our blog at sevenshifts.com slash blog. You can also find us on every social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, at Seven Shifts. Thanks again.